0: in these next moments, take my lips and speak through them, take our minds and think with them, and take our hearts and set them on fire for you. Amen. As a lifelong Methodist, I love the liturgical calendar. As teachers, we spend each day teaching about the yearly calendar and trying to help children understand how we've organized time. We have songs like January, February, March... But we as the church don't teach enough on the liturgical calendar. You see, this is the calendar that sets all of our events for the church year. You have the high points like Ash Wednesday, and then you have the season of Lent, followed by Holy Week, Easter Sunday, Pentecost, and then a grand time that we call ordinary. Then you reach Advent, Christmas Eve, and then. And then you hit a special Sunday, a high and holy Sunday, Some might call it Christmas Sunday, and that's true also, but it's the Sunday when the pastor is always on vacation, and we call that National Assistant Pastor or whoever will preach Sunday. (laughs) And that's where we are today, so welcome. (laughs) I heard a story this week of a young couple who were preparing to host their annual Christmas party, and their five-year-old son was making life difficult. Each time they would get something just right, he would go behind them and undo it. The couch cushions that had just been fluffed, those pillows that had been placed in just the right positions, he came in right behind them and threw them all on the floor. That freshly cleaned floor that was now covered with crumbs from his pre party snack. Rightfully so, his mother was becoming more and more aggravated. His father, being a good father and trying to avoid the stress, exit the scene before his frustrations hit a level he would be sorry for, decided to leave for a bit. He said he needed to go get ice anyways, so he got in his car and left to take a short drive alone. The boy's mother said, I can't stand this any longer. I'm going to go upstairs and get ready for the party. But she looked at her five-year-old son and said, please, please don't touch anything else. Well, as soon as she went into her bedroom, the son walked over to the food table where a large and elaborate cake sat, perfectly iced and placed, awaiting the guests that would come to the party. He looked at the cake, double-checked to make sure that he was alone, took his fingers and swiped a large scoop of icing right off it. He shoved it in his mouth and was delighted with his quick and secret grab. He was then making his way over to a bowl of another dessert And right when he was scooping his hand into the bowl, his mother looked down from the top of the stairs. He looked up, locked eyes with his mother, and froze. He knew that look, and he knew what was about to follow. She quickly headed down the stairs to him, and he took off running, and around and around they went, until finally he bolted right out the front door, down the front steps, and went under the porch to hide. Just as his dad... Just as he did this, his father pulled into the driveway. He got out and saw his wife standing in the front door, disheveled and upset. She threw her hands up and said, I've had enough. I'm over it. He's ruined the cake, and now you can deal with him. You can go underneath the porch and find him. The father didn't try to say anything else. He sighed and said, okay, I'll go get him. He crawled down on his hands and his knees, Went under the porch and began to look for his son. He saw him in the back corner and began moving towards him. He was almost to the boy when his son gasped and said, Oh no, is she after you too? (laughs) I thought this week that maybe this story could be used to show us a bit of the way that Christ comes into our world at Christmas. Today is Christmas Sunday and we have been living in this time of waiting. The world at the time of Christ's birth then and our world now finds itself in a chaotic state full of frustrations, plans made that are thrown into disarray, people pushed to their limits. Christ comes, he enters our world and gets level with us in the dirt under the porch, so to speak. Our gospel reading this morning from the book of Luke gives us a glimpse of what will come of Christ's new ministry in the world. Many have spoken a hope filled with glorious goodness that will all come because of Christ's birth. We even hear it in our Old Testament reading, written by the prophet Isaiah, foretelling of the hope and the future many years before. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. The nations will see your righteousness World leaders will be blinded by your glory. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see, a splendid crown in the hand of God. So here, in our gospel lesson, we leave the choirs of angels, we leave the nativity scene, and we find Mary and Joseph doing what all good Jewish parents are supposed to do. They took their child to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord with their sacrifice that was required of them. And it's there that they meet a man by the name of Simeon. And I love the story of Simeon. I think we need to tell it more often. They take their child to the temple and Simeon greets them and tells them a promise that God had made with him. A promise that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. He had waited for, longed for, hoped that he would see Christ and now he does. He proclaims this beautiful proclamation and and somewhat of a benediction to his own life now that everything that he has lived for has been shown. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people. This week I read a reflection on the story of Simeon, from Dr. Josh Matthews, and he is a professor at Western Seminary, and he writes this about Simeon's glorious moment, the promise kept from God. Simeon is not witnessing a political movement or military revolt to overthrow Rome. He does not experience a revival of strict law keeping led by Jewish religious leaders of the day, nor is that the kind of fulfillment that he has been expecting. All that Simeon has longed for is wrapped up in this baby that he now holds in his arms. Seeing the Christ was simply enough. Mary and Joseph stand are amazed at what Simeon is proclaiming. He then goes on to give insight to the two parents as to what the life of Christ and his ministry will entail. He says that because of Christ, many will rise and many will fall. He comes from God, but the truth is that many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Then he looks at Mary. He looks at that young mother of a child who has been sent by God. Mary knows this. Mary knows Jesus is special. An angel himself told her. But he looks at Mary. And in what I can only imagine with my sacred imagination, he takes almost a tone of pity, of love and of caring to this young girl. His words are honest and frank. A sword will pierce your very own soul, too. You see, Simeon knows that the life God has sent Christ to the world to live isn't going to be easy on Mary. Simeon is honest. He doesn't fluff it up. He doesn't just tell her the good, and for the first time in Luke, someone tells Mary about Jesus, and she's silent. She doesn't give a response. Imagine what she might be feeling and thinking This isn't the full rejoicing of hope and of splendor that we so often proclaim at Christmas, but it's no less part of the Christmas story. God has come in flesh to make all right, and that isn't going to be a smooth road for everyone. Simeon tells these hard-to-swallow words to Mary, and not a sentence later, we find another person entering our story. Her name is Anna, and all we know is that she's been a widow for a long time. Luke finds it important to tell us this, so maybe it's important that we know that this person has lived for decades. Decades, just praying and devoting herself to God and the temple. She's waiting on God just as Simeon has done. And as Simeon is speaking all these things to Mary and Joseph, Anna begins to praise God. She knows this is the promised one. She knows this is an answer to her waiting on God and trusting in him, and she runs to tell everyone, She goes to share the good news that she herself has received. So here we are with two new additions to the story, one that has waited and now proclaims both the good and the not so easy to come, and one who is so excited after waiting that she runs to tell everyone. Next year, I think maybe we should add a Simeon and Anna to our Christmas pageant. Friends, it's so easy this morning to just look at one part of a story and ignore the rest. We can first talk about Simeon and Anna who have waited on God with all their being and now rejoice in God's showing up. And that's a great, rightful thing to do and it has a great message for us. But I don't want us to skip over Mary and the choice that she now also makes. Life isn't going to be easy for her. Simeon has told her that. She will go through extreme heartache and even through the pain of losing her child for the sake of God's creation. But at the end of the story, we're told that she and Joseph take Jesus home to Nazareth where he will grow up. I was thinking this morning while driving in that if we all look, we have all in our lives found ourselves in the shoes of one of these people, and maybe we find ourselves there today. It could be that you relate more to Anna. You've seen the face of God. You've seen God moving in your life, and you're ready to go tell in joy and adoration, and That's fantastic. Maybe you're like Simeon who has waited and waited for a promise from God and it's finally come and you're ready to pass on your hope just the way that Simeon does. Or maybe, just maybe you find yourself like Mary. You you know the next moments, the next days, maybe even the next years of your life will be hard and riddled with pain and heartache. You're in a tough place. Maybe you've lost someone you love Maybe you're watching a relationship that you wish were made whole that hasn't been yet. Maybe you yourself have had medical tests and reports that you wish were different. Maybe you've received some hard words given to you that now leave you silent. Friends, that same Christ was woven into each part of a story. He entered each of those lives, and now is their time of response. He was there, and might I say to you, is today with us here still. That's the gospel message this morning and always. Christ is here. He has stepped into our world and he's level with us. It's our job, like Simeon's, like Anna's and like Mary's, to go out and proclaim that Christ has entered our world. He is the source of all our hope and the greatest hope for our world. I love that Mary didn't end her part of the story there. She pushed through. She relied on God and she placed her hope in this baby that she now holds wrapped in her arms, for she knows what will become of his life. This week I thought of an anthem that we sang once called When the Angel's Song is Silent. Later on Friday, as I was preparing, I learned from Carol, our downtown pastor, in her newsletter that the text is actually adapted from a poem titled The Work of Christmas written by Howard Thurman. I'm not sure about you, but when the decorations start to come down, when the place in my living room where the trees stood becomes empty, when the nativities are put away and the Christmas pageants, the big music and the celebrations are over. It can seem a little depressing. The text invites us to accept that now, when all is still, is the time that Christmas starts. Jesus didn't end his ministry while laying in a manger in a stable and neither can we. We have a hope that whether we're reaching the end of our life like Simeon, we've waited longing and prayer like Anna, or we watch others we love suffer because of who they are like Mary, Christ still has broken into our world. He came to proclaim the good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoner, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So whether you're ready to go tell, or you just need a moment of waiting on God, He came for you and is still here for you and for me. The text of the anthem says this: When the angel's song is silent and the prophecy is fulfilled, when the swaddling clothes are folded and the cry of the baby is stilled, when the angel's song is silent and the drama is all done, God is nearer than before, for that's when the promise of Christmas, the wonder of Christmas begins. Amen.